If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of And Security for All. I am Kim Hakem, your host. As most of you know, I um, host cybersecurity conferences all over North America with my company, FutureCon. We just came back yesterday. We have been hitting the Midwest a little hard. We were in Des Moines and once again, we had a packed event with all the local um, Iowa cybersecurity practitioners. It was a great event. Now we are off to two more Midwest uh, cities. We're off to Columbus and then Indianapolis, and then we head out west to San Diego. So for any of our listeners on Voice America, we'd love to meet you in person. Just uh, go to my LinkedIn at any time, and if you happen to be in one of the cities that we're about to um arrive at, please uh, send me a message and I'll make sure that we get you in one of our events. They're fun. There's lots of great uh, educational content, lots of uh, networking. It's just a fun day at our one day events. So very happy again um, with our guest today. I actually met my guest. Um, he is local here in St. Louis and that is where I reside in St. Louis. And I met him a few years back at our St. Louis Cybersecurity Conference and he is been participating year after year and he is a big um he's a he, he definitely is a big leader in the St. Louis market. He's very involved in the cybersecurity industry here. I have uh, Zachary Lewis. He's the AVP and IT Chief Information Security Officer over at the University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis. So, hey, uh, Zachary, it's good to see you and welcome to the show. Hey, Kim, thanks for having me. That, that title and uh, university name is a mouthful. <laughs> it is. I was like, oh, whoa, I'm, I'm getting a little, uh, It's. I, I'm, I hope I don't stutter here. So anyway, well, you've been doing so such great things. And every time I see you at the event, you happen to know everybody here in St. Louis. And, you know, no offense, you're a little young for like the, the position you're in. And that's so admirable, especially for all the young, you know, um, all the young cybersecurity professionals that are making their way up the chain. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you were and how, let, let's just start. How'd you get in the career and how did you end up um, with this big title you have? Sure, man, that's a, that's a lot to cover, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, we have a lot of time. So yeah. it's great. <laughs> um, I started in, I, in general, just IT probably in, I think it was 2011, um, right out of college working at a co-location facility. Um, at, at night in, in St. Louis. Um, so, you know, watching the data center, watching racks of equipment for, for other customers. Um, and then once I graduated, I moved into uh, the startup realm, uh, worked in startups for a, a number of years, um, providing IT support, system administration, things like that. Uh, eventually pivoted over to, to energy and, and coal. I was at Arch Coal um, for a couple of years and then, and then hit the education side, higher ed side. Um, I work and I've been at a number of places, St. Louis College of Pharmacy, um, St. Charles Community College, University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy now. But um, at, at the College of Pharmacy, I came in and, and 
work my way up to just a, like a manager of the help desk role and doing some network and system administration work. And, and I guess I did it well, well enough to, to, to get a few promotions there and then bounced around a little bit and came, came to the University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy to run the IT department. Um, they, at the time, just had a, a very foundational level security program in place. My, my predecessor had kind of had laid the groundwork there and um, I, I built from that and built fully fledged, fledged it out, fleshed it out and uh, tried to learn as much as I can and, and give back as much knowledge as I can to the community. So I've been here now in, in total in this role, probably three, three and a half years, something like that. But been in higher ed now, probably eight or nine years. So do you, um, there's another, I just was, had been talking this week out of Phoenix. Do you know, do you by chance know Michael Manrod? He's uh, the CISO over at Grand Canyon University. That sounds real familiar. Um, I, I can't put a, a name, a face to a name right now, but. I would say he's young like you and he's doing all kinds of big things and he's uh, he's actually going to be keynoting our event in Phoenix and he has a really fun topic. He just wrote an um, article on, um, I tricked AI and I liked it. So um, so we love, you know, we it, it's really inspiring for, there's so many, as you can see when you come to our events, you know, there's such a diverse group of people that come to our events. There's very senior, senior level people, but then we have new people that are just getting into the industry and you know it, it's challenging for the younger people that are getting into the industry because you know it, unless you have experience how do you grow and how are you going to get experience if nobody's going to give you experience so did you I mean was it I, we all know that hard work you know is obviously you know how you grow up the ranks but um how, like, tell those that, and I know that's not really our topic today, and we're going to get into our topic, but what would your advice be to the younger, you know, the younger sector of the cyber world? You know, how do you, how do you get to be where Zach Lewis is? Yeah, I, uh, I, I actually, I sit on several advisory boards for various higher ed educate institutions in the area, and I go and I talk to the students there who are in cyber programs or IT programs, and and typically the, the same stuff I tell all of them is, yeah, we talked about hard work, but also, you know, look for efficiencies, look for work that, you know, you can do faster, you can do better, you can do smarter process improvement. Just, just get in there and, and help the business. If you can help the business or the organization succeed and get to its goals, you know, they're going to, you know, like you for that and want to reward you for that. It's not just a, you know, a solo player's game out there anymore where, you know, you're you're trying to be better than everybody else. You have to work in collaboration. You have to make things work better. And, and if you can make the business more successful, that recognition will come. And then, you know, in addition to that, you mentioned when you were doing my introduction about knowing everybody, I think networking plays a, a very big part in that. And, and even in your, like, current organization, you know, I, when I started at the St. Louis College of Pharmacy, you know, I was meeting people, you know, someone wanted to go on a walk, I'll go on a walk with you, let's have lunch, let's do this, meet with those people. And then eventually you get wind of, I got wind of a, a guy who was going to leave and he was, he was the previous manager of the help desk. And I was like, you know, I think I could, I could do that job. Um, I liked what I was doing, but I thought I could do that too. So when I, he just mentioned that he was moving out of the area. So I went to his supervisor and I said, hey, you know, 
this guy's going to be leaving. I, I can do that. Let me do that job. And they were like, really? That's, you want to, you want it? And I was kind of like, yeah. So we, we did the formal interview process, but I mean, it was, it was more of a formality, I, I think at the time um, to let people know that you want more responsibility. You want to, you know, excel, you want to be promoted up the ladder and, and take on that work. And uh, you know, if something's not doing something, do it. <laughs> and let your boss know when, when the time comes so they can, they can see that you're a value. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I think that's with any profession. You know, if your team is doing more than you're asking them to do, it is noticed. And I definitely have, I'm very, very fortunate to have such a great team and they definitely go above and beyond their job with things that I don't ask them to do. And that is the best thing you can find out is, wow, you know, uh, th this is some really great information I have. But um, I, I do, one of the things for all of our listeners out there, um, I love your comments out there. I know our Voice America listeners, just for those of you that are um, tuning in today, we have two sets of listeners. We have listeners that are on the Voice America side. Voice America is a syndicated radio show. You can find that show anywhere that you listen to your podcast, but we also stream live, obviously, on LinkedIn Live. So all of our LinkedIn um, guests, we love any of your comments. And we just happened to get a comment. I have Laura Jean Ramiro. She said, asking my husband who's studying cybersecurity right now, what's the best way to pick a special, this is a good question, a specialization in cybersecurity to explore various options in cyber example, GRC, pen testing, IAM, incident response. So what's, what's your answer to that? Oh man, that's such a loaded question. And I think it depends a lot on the person, but I'm not going to completely cop out on that answer and say it depends on the person. But, um, you know, I, I think look, look at the longevity of what one of those career paths is going to do. Um, and obviously, this is just my opinion, but I look at pen testing as an example, and I see more and more automated pen testing solutions coming out where, you know, whether it's AI or, or just a, a tool that can scan an environment, exploit things it finds, and, and provide remediation steps is they're becoming just more prolific. And I, th I think they're probably going to take over just manual pen testing by an end user. You're going to see more and more of that automated solution. Not saying that job will completely go away, but... I think you're going to see a lot more of it get taken over by machines and, and software and applications. So for long term, that might not be the best one. But, you know, I think incident response is, is always going to be a bit big in how we act. GRC's big right now. Um, I, I mean, you kind of got to find what you really enjoy doing in that space. And, uh, and almost everything touches cybersecurity at some point. So I guess look at the longevity and the career path for, for one of those roles and uh, see if it's something you like and you can live with doing every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's very important to be happy with what you're doing because life is definitely way too short and it goes very fast and you're, you're still, you know, very, I, I, I hope you don't get offended by me saying that you're just, I, I'm just jealous. I, I'd like to be <laughs> as young as you, but no, I'm, I'm kidding, but it does go fast. So you have to be happy with what you're doing. You want to wake up every day and cybersecurity is so amazing. There's so many great things that, you know, can keep you, you know, thrilled with what your job is because there's, it, it's almost like a game in a way, you know, because you're trying to figure it out. And, you know, every time you figure something out, something else happens. So um, Thomas Johnson, thanks for um, 
tuning in, he's, he gave some advice to Laura. He said, have him experience a little of each of them and see what she likes is best, which is always great doing something that you think is cool. Um, it's hard though. So, so let, let me talk specifically about the St. Louis market. We talked about, you know, networking and I always tell people it's so important, you know, not only for events like FutureCon in local markets, but the, the nonprofit chapters, you know, to get involved in your local chapters. But how do you think we're doing in the St. Louis market with some of our chapters? I know InfoGuard is really great, but you know, I don't know if ISSA has made any, you know, any leaps yet. I know that they were having they were trying to reform their chapter. And how do you think we're doing here in our community on some of our local chapters? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know a lot about how ISSA is doing, but I know like IC ICS squared is is having a, a chapter meeting and, and trying to grow locally. Um, you mentioned InfraGuard. I, I sit on the board for InfraGuard, and uh, and I mean we're recovering from their InfraGuard as a whole, you know, hack of, of user base. So we're trying to build our user group back up. I think the people are there. There are plenty of cyber practitioners in the space. I mean, you can see that at you know going to your conference or you know, any of the conferences we have in this area. I mean, you're getting probably record numbers of people showing up. The interest is there. Um, it's just getting word out that, you know, these these chapters are, are here looking for members. You know, they're active and, and meeting. Um, you know, InfraGuard, we're, we're doing every other month in-person meetings and, and trying to drive um, membership there, get people to get involved, get people to learn, trying to find, you know, speakers and, and, and bring the FBI in and CISA in and, and different people to to generate that kind of you know interest. Um, I think ISC Squared's got to kind of do the same thing. They're they're having a meeting. I want to say um, in October at the same time Infragard is. So hopefully we'll get some some cross pollination of members there. Um, and, and there not so much chapters, but there's there's plenty of advisory boards. Um, whether it's for for conferences or schools or, or you know businesses that just want people with some cyber experience on them to, to talk and meet and, and help guide them. Um, so, I mean, if you are interested, there's, there's plenty of work out, there's plenty of openings out there where people are, are looking to fill it with people who have some cyber insights. It's a great way to network. Yeah, it is. It's a great way to network. And there's some, you know, we go through 28 different cities across North America and there's some cities like we're getting ready to head to Columbus and they have just such a tight niche of all their different chapters that come together. And, you know, I, I, I hope we get back. I've been here in St. Louis doing this for 20 something years and, you know, there used to be very strong chapters here. It just takes the people coming together and stepping up for leadership and putting those. It's a lot of work, you know, so um, hopefully we'll see the growth of that. And that is that is something when you set when we talk about the younger generation that should do something, that is exactly what they should do. It's very easy. All you have to do is get in touch with corporate, the corporate ISSA and say, hey, I want to start putting together a chapter here. And it's just, you know, one person at a time. So I think for any young people out there or anyone that's trying to get more involved, that is a great way. And use us, anyone out there, use FutureCon as a resource because we're always here to help support the local chapters you know we we have a pretty big database of everyone in st louis so i'm always here i tried to help you guys out at infraguard with your your 
losing all, you know, the situation you had. So we're always here to support you. But um, on an, uh, be another question, and I shamefully, I guess I should know this, but um, what does uh, the University of Health Science and Pharmacy in St. Louis, like, what are you guys... Um, what are you guys doing over there? Can you tell us a little bit about that? What are we doing? Uh, we're doing a little bit of everything, really. <laughs> um, so uh, we are doing a lot of um, pivoting right now, moving a lot more courses and degree programs to a, an online um, platform. We're, we're changing from a technology standpoint, our learning management system, and um, we try to get some, some courses out there, some micro-credentialing done out there around um, marijuana and 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 mushrooms which you know are a lot of study going into that we are a health sciences university um a lot of different degrees around you know physical therapy and and um, chemistry science all that data science we're doing some of that now too um still got a, a solid pharmacy degree um that's very good pharmacy tech for pharmacy certifications all sorts of things coming down the pike there um but we're doing a lot of research. We, we have a whole floor um, dedicated to research on, on different vaccines and um, drug testing with, uh, uh, well, the government agency that does drugs. I can't remember. FDA. Um, <laughs> now, there we go. Um, but yeah, we work, work closely with WashU. We do some work with UMSL, so a lot of intercollegiate work happening there. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of IT projects. But as the university as a whole, we're we're ramping up. Well, it's such a well, I, it's, you know, St. Louis is a little undersold because we have a lot of great things happening. You know, with um, you know, with what where you're coming from, on Marshu and you know, SLU and everything. You know, we have some great we have some great institutions here. So we were. Um, Oh, I have another comment just really quick. Um, I have Eric Irvine. Thanks for joining today. He said, it's tough to find a well-rounded method to explore all disciplines, which I agree from a working perspective. The SOC tends to give you a lot of exposure to a lot of areas of organizations. I always love having people from the SOC team, you know, or um, pen testers on the show just because they're fun to talk to. So um, that definitely you know, is, is a good area to be in. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. You know, when I, like I said, when I talk to the students, um, a lot of them don't want to go into a sock right away. And it's really funny. They think they're going to graduate and, and, you know, make six figures and, and be mm -hmm. the, the security superhero of the organization. And I tell them, I was like, you should really spend some time in a sock, like learn the organization, learn what, what threats and attacks are coming in, learn, learn how the organization functions. I mean, there's a lot of information to be gained there. And I think, you know, starting in a SOC or, or on the IT side, starting in a help desk or something, just learn the environment and, and, and get a feel for the tools is a, a great way to start. We have one of my, uh, I have a couple of uh, guest hosts that run the show for me when I'm on the road. And one of them is Jonathan Kimmett. And he used to be the former CISO over at the University of Tulsa. And he took a group of the students over there and they actually, he took them into the SOC team and they worked, you know, they, they, he trained them and they were part of the team, which is, you know, huge kudos to him. He actually did a show with his students on the show about what they were learning. They were at B 
sides when it was happening. And it was like, how awesome for him because he, he, he was the CISO there. It's not like he's the professor running classes. You know, he went over to the, you know, to those classes and pulled the students over to be part of his, uh, you know, for those that are listening on the security for all side on voice America, that's the security operations center. So I just thought that was really cool. And it, it's awesome to see, you know, great leaders doing things like that. So Jonathan's um, awesome. did he bring his, uh, did he bring his championship belt? <laughs> I, I saw, I just saw that on LinkedIn this morning. I was like, okay, what, what is going on there? I was, I was trying to prep for this and I, yeah. I didn't get to look into that, but yeah, he, he's a great guy. So, you know, we were going to talk about today's cybersecurity. Are you prepared? You know, I, I don't think they were prepa- prepared in Las Vegas for what just happened, you know, and how ironic that it would just happen, you know, right after Black Hat and DEF CON. So, uh, you know, they're still not even recovering. You know, I, I watch it every day and there's still everything's not up and running you know what what's your thoughts on that and i think it kind of does tie into you know it could happen to anybody and they certainly didn't think it would ever happen to them and um you know we all know they paid the ransom and it doesn't was it worth it is it what are your thoughts on that yeah i, I you know caesar's paid Immediately, as from from what I understand, they they paid right out the gate, and I, I mean, it's hard to say you wouldn't pay a ransom when it happens. I it ultimately becomes a business decision. I, I mean, I would hope people don't pay um, if there's any way around it. But for Caesars, you know, it was again that business decision where they look at it. I, I think they make like six billion dollars a year or something, and they're like, at yeah, 15, 15 million. That's nothing. Let's pay it and get back right. to work. We're going to lose more money every day. We're, we're closed than, than that. So they come up right away. I think I saw this morning that MGM was back functioning, at least mostly functioning. Um, they were able to turn stuff back on. I, I didn't I didn't know if they paid the ransom or not. I, I kind of thought. I they thought were, they did, but I could be wrong. So yeah, I didn't dive into it. I know they, they got hit in 19, 2019. So the fact that they've been hit again already um, – I'm just curious. I, I wonder how how it happened again. What they changed in 2019 and what didn't work now, and you know, but stuff we might not ever know about. I mean, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, it does. I, I worked through um, cyber attacks and, and I've worked through ransomware incidents, and you know, it's it's not fun. Even when you are prepared, it's it's not fun. And I I feel for them, but at the same time, it's, it's part of the job. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So. Um, Michael Moore asks um, a question for you, Zach, is how do you balance the university's need for academic freedom and network security? Oh, Mike, such a good question. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, I worked with Mike for a short period of time. So he's coming in asking me the hard questions. <laughs> um, you know, there, academic freedom is, uh, it doesn't understand security all the time, um, but there are laws and regulations that don't recognize academic freedom as a as a vocabulary phrase. So um, you have to do definitely what is in regulation and law um, for sure, because you, you have to. Um, and then everything else, you try to be flexible. You know, you try to figure out what they're trying to do. What do you want to accomplish? And then build structures around that to let them run almost like guardrails or bumpers, if you like bowling. Um, just... Just build that up for them. Give them a, an area to play in, but make it a secure area to play in. 
Um, you can you can do a lot with academic freedom in, in terms of what people want to learn um, and do. I mean, we're exploring. I, I mentioned um, the marijuana and the mushroom stuff earlier, and we're you know how how do we want to offer that? Do we want to do a different platform? Do we want to keep it in house? Um, how do we do that securely when when we're ingesting students and their information and everything there? So um, I think you can do it. Just have a good plan and always include the CISO or, or the security team. Um, build in what you need to have the 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 business get their objectives done. But I mean, we're not going to hamper business processes. And if they want to encourage academic freedom, then we'll be there to support them. So one of the things we do uh, for our listeners out there is we always, we try to keep our show different with security for all. We've been doing this show for almost, uh, well, two and a half years and we've had some amazing guests and we always go to our guests and say, what do you want to talk about? Let's try to talk about something different. And one of the things that uh, Zach, some information, some, some uh, like, insider scoop on Zach is he said that he's a big wilderness survivalist homesteader and and he went and we want to talk about how that ties back to cyber but I want to hear how you're a wilderness survival survivalist and homesteader what does that mean I I know we are in Missouri where there is a lot of hunting opportunities and stuff but exactly um can you let us know like how does that all tie? I, I, I'm, I'm ex Navy and I, w- I did some SWAT team stuff. So I did some wilderness stuff so I can understand a little bit of that. But, um, can you let it like, give us some insight on that? Sure. A fun fact about Zach Lewis. <laughs> yeah. When, when I'm not, uh, when I'm not knee deep in technology, I like to be as far and completely disconnected from it as possible. So I do, uh, I do some wilderness survival stuff, you know, I've gone out maybe, once a year, up up until a couple of years ago, I was going out every single year, um, at least once for anywhere between, you know, five days to, to 14 days and doing these survival outings where sometimes I, I take equipment, sometimes I don't take equipment and build, build shelter, try to build traps and, and snares and procure water and food and make fire with sticks and my shoelaces and, or, or whatever else. So, um, I, I did that a lot. I, I had to tone it down a little bit after my, my second child was born because my wife didn't like being left alone with the kids for, for two weeks <laughs> while I was in the woods running around. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've been doing that stuff for, for years uh, and that's kind of just transitioned into more of that prepper homesteading mindset where at home we're, we're always looking for, you know, what, what happens if the power goes down? What happens if the you know, the grid's down or, or something happens. Do we have a way to get food? Do we have a way to get water? Um, so, you know, at my house, we were pretty out in the country outside of St. Louis City. And and we're raising, you know, chickens and I'm catching water in barrels off the rain and, you know, using solar panels to, to power different different items and, and, you know, making wells for well water and, and different things there. Growing a lot of garden and uh, turned our front yard into a giant garden, essentially. But, um, you know, a lot of that stuff I look at, I remember one day looking out of the window and, and I have this this chicken coop I built and uh, and looking at it, and it's a weird analogy, but I, I have a fence around the coop. There's the coop, the building, there's a fence around it. And then I have another like exterior fence on, on part of the yard. And I was like, man, this is like some segmentation. I got defense in depth. I got multiple layers here. I got motion lights. I, I have a couple dogs. And when they bark, I, I think of them as my, my intrusion detection systems. Cause you know, anytime they hear something coming in they're they're barking like crazy. I was like, okay. 
you know, that, there's my sensitive data. The chicken's coming out. I, I named them Pi and HIPAA and FERPA. They all have <laughs> sensitive data names, so they're all popping out. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm protecting here. This is what I'm I'm worried about. And uh, and they have, you know, where they live over there in their little data silo called the chicken coop. And we got our firewalls as the fences around them. And, you know, it kind of started relating it all to, to cybersecurity principles and maybe writing a little blog about that here and there. And then um, I, I made a LinkedIn post not that long ago because I had a, a very large, very large snake get into the coop. And I was like, even, and people started making jokes about cybersecurity and acronyms and stuff, but it goes to show that, you know, no matter how many defenses you put up, how secure you think you are, something can still get in. And then it's all about how you uh, react to that. So have a good incident response plan. But there's lots of different pieces in there that kind of all tie together if we want to explore it, but that's kind of just the high level overview of all that. Oh boy. I could not agree with you more. I, uh, my friends think I'm crazy. Now I'm not as extreme, you know, I, I do live in the city, but, um, you know, I, I listen to all these keynote speakers and, you know, we were out in California and we had the, um, CISO from the water, the, um, water, whatever you call it out there, the, the, whoever runs the water out in yeah. California. And um, so, you know, just the thought of that, and you see on the news all the time, people talking about the power grids and, you know, you talk about a hack and someone's like, you know, after what happened to Vegas, what's going to happen next? I'm like, our infrastructure, you know, they're gonna, it's going to happen. You know, our power, you better be ready, you know. So, you know, I have like once a month, Amazon delivers, delivers me a case of water. I have it stockpiled, you know, out in my garage. And, you know, I have a wood-burning fireplace and I have a gas fireplace. And everyone's like, you should change your wood-burning fireplace to gas. And I'm like, no, I have to keep that wood-burning fireplace in case I need heat, you know. And I'm not I'm very good about food. I'm going to be in trouble, you know, because my kids have moved out and I'm not very good about having food, but, you know, just having water and heat. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm not, you know, I'm not as extreme, but, but I should be, we all should be because it is, you know, going to happen. It's, it's going to happen eventually. It may not be the entire country, but a municipality is probably, we hope not, but, yeah. you know, I think it's something that we're probably going to see. Um, Laura Jean said, oh my gosh, Zach, you need to connect with Chuck uh, Layton, CISO at Alvin Community College, former head of security of the Department of Justice and NASA. He's a big uh, prepper on the fully stocked doomsday bunker things. Um, he's your guy for that stuff. Well, there, there's a lot in this industry, you know, because, because we all know, you know, what can happen and you do have to be prepared and, um, yeah, my my brother and his wife they live in a, on a farm and and uh, out in Nashville. So uh, I, I guess I'll be getting in my car and heading to their house if something ever happened. Because probably oh, can get there. Uh, you know the roads aren't blocked. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. You know if I if I can get some gas, you know. I, so. I watched this uh, this documentary just a couple nights ago, and it was about if a if a cyber attack hit the electric grid in the United States. And the three major grids in the states, and if they, they all three went down, what it would look like over like a two week period, and it got it got rough fast. And I, I was talking to my wife about it, and she's like, "Are we ready?" And I was like, "We're not even ready. Wow, like, the country's not ready. We're we're not ready. <laughs> like it's and we we're we're prepping for this sort of thing. It would be really bad. So yeah, I'm, that's if anyone was ever going to come for the United States, you know, I think a, a an infrastructure attack on electricity would probably be the way." 
they go, and, and I hope we can bolster those defenses enough to keep that from ever happening because that would be a very, very rough time, <laughs> as you can imagine. Well, we talked about this last week on the show, and we were talking about the power grids, and I guess one of the major power grids is in Texas. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have a lot of friends that work for the municipalities out in Texas. And, you know, it's that's just it's just tough for them because it is they work for the government and everything you do with the government takes so long to get approval. So how do you fight against that type of, you know, hopefully I, I'm not educated enough to know if the government is, you know, moving any quicker on, you know, making sure that they are ready for that. But it's so there's so much bureaucracy in the government. You know, do, what do you think their challenges are as being the CISO for some of these municipalities? Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot goes to the bureaucracy point. I think there's just a ton of red tape to get stuff done. A lot of the systems are just ancient. I, I mean, they're, they're running these super legacy systems that are way older than 30 years old. Um, and they, they don't integrate well with new stuff, you know, trying to put MFA and, and reporting and all, all kinds of things in front of it just doesn't work well. And, and you, they don't really have upgrades for them anymore. If, if you pretty much touch them, they stop working. So you, you want to leave them alone, but you gotta, you gotta secure them some way. And I'm, I'm no expert in that space anyway, but, um, yeah, I imagine it's, it's incredibly tough with the outdated tech. And I, I know the government's pouring a ton of money in to try to update those critical infrastructure pieces. And, and that's kind of why InfraGuard is also here to, to work with those, those groups. But I mean, there's a, I don't think any president in the last, you know, 20 or 30 years, they, they've all had cybersecurity as an objective, but none of them have made it their primary objective. And I think until that probably changes, we'll continue to see funding trickle in for, for projects like that. But until it's like the primary focus, things aren't going to change too much. Um, but you look at, you look at the electric grid, you look at, you know, the, the gas pipelines and natural gas pipelines or the water systems that have been hacked and, and, you hope it's just a one-off situation and not like a like a staging ground. So, you know, again, I, I, I resort back to the prepping for that and, you know, DR backups, incident response planning, you know, the training that we have and use in our organizations pertains to that stuff too. have a plan for when that stuff happens. Um, one, one thing, you know, I've, I've, I like to do or, or I haven't done it with my kids yet, but they're going to really love it is, is just kill the power to your house, you know, for like a day. 24 hours what what can you do what can't you do what do you need like it's it's like a little dr tabletop simulation at an organization just just try it in your life to to see what what you can do to to bolster that and make things a little bit better oh i have a lot of experience with that because i live in a very older neighborhood in st louis and um we, I think it's finally, and my team knows that like I lose power here all the time and I live in a neighborhood with about 70 homes and we're on the side of the neighborhood that always gets hit. So sometimes we're out of power for like two, not, not two weeks, like two or three days. Now I hear, I don't have a generator 
everybody else in my neighborhood has a generator. It's just one of those things I keep thinking I'm going to buy it. And then I'm like, I don't need it. And then my, I lose my power again. Yeah. I mean, I probably lose my power like 10 times a year. It's oh, insane. Wow. So I have learned, you know, I, I have a lot of battery operated candles, you know, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty prepared for uh, these power outages because I have them so much. I really just need to break down and spend the money on a generator, but they're not cheap. And it's just one of those things you think, I don't need it. I don't need it. It ties right back to cybersecurity. Yep. And then you you lose your power and you're like, I wish I would have, I wish I would have invested that money in that generator, you know? So I I definitely know how it feels to lose power. And it is not fun when it's a hundred degrees and it's not fun when it's 10 degrees. And I've okay. lost them in both ways. So um, it is, I think it's, I think it is something important, you know, because when it's dark, it's dark and you, you know, I, I, I fortunately, you know, have, I probably have, I probably have 60 or 70 of those battery operated candles. So I just order for anyone out there, Amazon batteries are the cheapest batteries you can buy, you know? So I order Amazon batteries just to keep stockpiles of batteries in case, you know, I ever need them because, you know, at least, but batteries give out too. I mean, your best, your best thing is real fire, but that's yeah. not, you know, it's just, just when you're out there shopping and you see candles on sale, buy them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, it, it just is very interesting. The other thing, though, about the government and our, you know, municipalities is they don't actually pay, you know, that well. And so I am seeing, you know, a lot of, again, I, I happen to have a lot of CISO friends around the country just because of the nature of my job and, you know, what I have to do. And I'm seeing a lot of them leave you know, those positions because they can go someplace else and make more money. And then now you've got these very intelligent, you know, smart people that are leaving those positions. And then you have more, you know, junior people coming in and that, that, I mean, these are the people that are protecting us. So, you know, what is your thought on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, uh, unfamiliar with understaffed and uh, low-paying jobs uh, working in higher ed. <laughs> which, uh, I mean, I think higher education is is the the number one, or education in general is the number one attack sector in the country um, right now. With I think general like K through twelve uh, is number one, and, and higher ed's number two by like one percent or somewhere in there. Um, and and uh, I think that report was by. Sophos, maybe if I if I remember correctly, but you know, as in a higher education, and we were pretty low staff, pretty low resources, um, not wanting to invest a ton in cybersecurity, so you know, you become more vulnerable to those attacks, um, and, and when you're lacking the funds that large corporations have, um, and then you and to and then to your point about the younger junior people coming in and taking over some of those roles. I mean, we have we have tons of open positions. We're, we're trying to churn out cybersecurity people as fast as possible. Uh, I, I think the, the the main thing that comes to my mind is you know we have these these junior people, these younger people who who may not understand the significance of the role, um, and it's kind of what I'm a little concerned about because you know maybe to them it's just a job. Hey, I'm, I'm I get to work in cybersecurity. This is fun. I play with a lot of tech. But you look at the the other side of that coin, and they're up against these these people, you know, whether it's Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, or, or any of the other you know 
APTs or, or groups out there, but that's those people's, you know, way of life. They're, they're not just hacking to hack. Like it's, it's a job for them. They're out there feeding their families um, with the money that, you know, they're, they're being paid to, to hack organizations. And, and if they get caught, you know, they go to jail, they could, they go to jail, they'll be in prison for four years. So the, the downside for them is, is bad. Whereas for, you know, us, you know, if something gets through or, or we fail, yeah, we might get fired. We might get a slap on the wrist, but um, I mean, even, even what Uber didn't go to go to jail. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. not like we're, we're facing the as harshest consequences. So they're, they're playing for keeps over there and we've got to step up our game too. Well, and I think I, I'm sure we are, you know, there, there's a lot that, you know, we don't see and we don't hear about. I think we are a strong country. So, oh, yeah. you know, so I, you know, I, I guess I digress a little bit back to saying it is going to happen to us, but maybe it won't, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good things. I, I try not to just focus on the bad things happening in cybersecurity because there's so much great things happening. And, you know, as a country, you know, there's, I, I do think we, we are a strong country. So it's just, it's just the scary thing is, is, you know, when you have nation state actors, you know, that is their full-time job every day is to try to hack us, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 that that's their job. That's what they get paid to do, you know? And just like every game, you know, there's going to be a winner and a loser. And one of these times, you know, there's going to be, you know, just like what happened in Vegas, you know, they lost on that. And I kind of wonder what happened to the help desk person that took that call. You know, yeah. we haven't heard of that guy. Him. I know. <laughs> don't want to be that guy. And what do you, you know, what do you do with there? Do you, you, and you, you let him go because of what happened or do you just keep them and try to train them better or, or, or what? I, I mean, I, I have my thoughts on probably what happened there, but you know, that's a, that's a tough call to make. Um, you know, we've, I've had people make mistakes on a team, nothing that, you know, got us so, so badly hacked that we lost millions and millions of dollars, but, but still, you know, you have things that happen and you don't always want to just gut check them and, and get onto them and fire them and reprimand them. But it's more of a, a learning opportunity. Like, Hey, this happened. You now know this happened. Let's not do this again. Let's, let's pivot and, and make it a learning opportunity. But you know. Well, I hope he didn't get fired. I mean, we had this conversation during COVID. We did a lot of um, we did a lot of these bourbon. I, I don't know. I can't remember if you ever made one of them, but they were these bourbon happy hours that we had with CISOs that were sponsored. And we, the, the the person that ran it, he's actually local here, and his name's Pops. And we took him out to RSA with us, and all the CISOs love him. He just does bourbon ed education. But one of the things we would do while we were talking through the bourbon was just talk about different things that, you know, different things that CISOs were experiencing. And we had some really high, you know, some CISOs that were from some pretty huge companies. And that was the topic of conversation is, you know, what do you do? You know, when, you know, are you going to fire them? Or what do you do when there is a mistake or if somebody opens up a phishing email? And um, I love, I tell this story all the time. There was one CISO from a very, very large uh, financial institution. And they always had like once a quarter cybersecurity day and they would do it with the whole company, you know, and people could win like they, they would win like um, uh, I'm 
forgetting the game, the little gaming system. They they would win things if they passed these tests, you know, so they would reward people instead of, you know, set the tone of, you know, you're, you're going to be fired if, if you open this email or whatever. So they tried to keep it very, very positive. So, I mean, mistakes happen. And I mean, he was tricked. He was fooled. It happens to all of us, you know, no one's perfect. So how do you, you know, being in the role that you're in, when you see somebody that makes a mistake, obviously not of that capacity, but I'm sure you see mistakes within your organization. What, what, what do you do with yeah. your team? I mean, we're, we're not too different from um, what you were describing there with the, with the games. We do a, we do a gamification system too, that um, I kind of created with around phishing emails specifically. We do our phishing campaigns um, off at least once a quarter. And, and with that, we, we do have official, you know, ways to report phishing, and, and we look at who reports, and, and we pick winners out of everyone who submits, you know, a, a phishing email appropriately, and uh, and we award them with you know, university swag and polos and, and different things, and, and their picture gets posted up, and we kind of celebrate that. But then for those that that you know click the email, um, click on the email, submit data, do, do things like that, we do training with them. So we have three tiers of of training. Um, and then it escalates outside of training and we start getting supervisors involved, but you know, there's short videos to watch and then longer videos to watch that really dive into, you know, what to look for, what to, what to watch out for, how to, how to react and respond. And, you know, we try to work with those, those users to, to let them know what's happening. Um, we haven't, we have a kind of a, I think it's five strikes. It gets kind of nasty, but um, we haven't had anyone ever get that far. So, so that's good. It's more of a, just there because it's there, but hopefully we never have to use it for anything. But yeah, we try to, we try to gamify things, um, make people interested uh, next month, just a few days from now, you know, cybersecurity awareness month. So we'll be doing all kinds of content and email out and letting people know what's going on. But yeah. So what is five strikes? Uh, five strikes is, is supposed to be a, a, a termination, but well that's good threes but it hasn't had to go any farther well do you think you know if somebody is at you know number three strike you know what is there a common denominator between you know um you know staff that would get them at three strikes yeah, I mean, we we look at the email. We we try to talk to them about what they're why they keep clicking and submitting it when they get that far. We and we've only had a couple people get that far. Um, and on the termination point, I don't even know if we would enforce the termination piece, but we'll, we'll hopefully we never have to find out. But on those users that are getting to three, you know, we we t what what makes you click on that? Why do you want to enter your information on that? Like, what's not clicking? And, and we try to talk to them. If they get that far, we bring them in the help desk. We we have the some of the, the techs talk to them. Some of my team talks with them, just not in a negative way, just trying to understand what's going on and, and figure out why they're clicking stuff. Because if we're doing it for our, our, our phishing campaigns, I imagine it's happening for others, um, other uh, legitimate emails that, that are malicious. But it, it, it's hard to square. Sometimes they just say they're overworked or busy. They're getting hundreds of emails um, a day. They, they think it looks like something legitimate and they go into it. And again, that's, 90% of how all the phishing emails work out there. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of organizations are running into the same thing with people who are overworked. They're getting hundreds of emails and they just think it looks right and they click data. And it's just training, like look for those identifiers. Is it outside the organization? Is it someone you talk to? I mean, there's there's some end user 
training elements there, but there's also some tech elements there. Um, and I'm not a big proponent of a, a tech fix for every uh, end user problem, but I mean, there are some really good email security, like next gen AI learning email solutions out there that you can put in. And I mean, they are fantastic at catching these phishing emails now, just based on, you know, if you've ever had a conversation with somebody where the email originates from calls to action, you know, moving funds around, they're very intuitive in how they learn and, and can scan. And we have one of those implemented and it's cut down malicious emails. I would say probably like in the mid 90 percent range, like we hardly get anything anymore to the point where I'm questioning whether or not I still do phishing campaigns because we just don't get any. <laughs> I that I was actually going to ask you that question is, you know, because I feel like we have some pretty good security that we're using that most of our, you know, most of the junk is really going into our spam folders. And we're just a small company, not like the university. But is I, that's I was just going to say, does most of it go into is it is it caught by the firewall before it gets to, you know, the inbox? Yeah, yeah, I would say. The vast majority of it, I, I haven't seen, I've probably seen one phishing email that's gotten through this year. Wow. Well, that's great. See, these are the positive things that are happening. Yeah. And Celebrate the win. Yeah, exactly. Now, now you can just see the hackers are just getting, I mean, I feel like I'm getting more phone calls than I've ever gotten. It's so insane. I need a, I need a filter for LinkedIn, I think. Oh, do you? Are you getting a lot? Oh, a yeah. Lot? They need one for that. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of connections, but um, you know what? I have a lot of my team work, my LinkedIn, because we use it a lot for attendees. So I, I don't, I, I, you know, I just don't accept those connections, you know? So, and um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a, they, they stop letting you connect after 30,000 and I'm right at that 30,000 mark. And um, so I, I'm trying to clean out like that, which is, crazy oh, after the so. your whole career and you're like okay i've got to clean out all the retired people it's the craziest thing for the for anyone out there that has a lot of connections and i do because of the industry because of what we do with our events all over the country but now i'm like cleaning out retired people you know people that are, you know it's it's i can't believe linkedin puts but then they unretire because i i know tons of people who unretired and come back. I know. And it makes me nervous to take them out, but I only have a 30,000 limit. I mean, you can have as many people as you want to follow you, but yeah. you know, pe people rely on my LinkedIn to hear when we're coming to certain cities. It's just a big source uh, that I've had, but, um, but yeah, cause there was the CISO from, um, Rockwell, she's awesome. You know, she's like, I'm going to retire. I'm going to be a grandmother. And then a few weeks later, it probably was a month later, I saw her on LinkedIn that she was involved in a startup. And I was like, I thought you were retiring, you know, so they can't stay retired. None of us can because it's too exciting, the industry we're in. I like working too much. Yeah, um, we're all, we're getting close to being um, to the end, but I do have uh, somebody else that just asked a question. Uh, Jericho Simmons said, Zach, does your program include impersonation training and testing? If so, what level, le what level of impersonation does your team go to? Really great question. Yeah. So we haven't done a lot of it university-wide. We've done some of it on like the business office side and 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 more on that is just 
process of how they how they do work. So if they get you know a call or an email or something that looks like somebody else or or um, you know the, the SMS messages or something, it's it's verifying in a couple different ways. So call the main line, you know, talk to someone you actually know, like get a voice, not you know the deep fakes and the voice stuff. But we're trying to go a couple different options there on, on verifying before we do any sort of mail transfers or bank transfers or anything like that. Um, general end user stuff, not a ton yet. Uh, I, I think that'll be something we look at in the future. Um, I know for for some of our athletic coaches, we get a lot of SMS um, messaging and, and smishing stuff. So we're, we're working with them on, on identifying texts that aren't real and, and people who aren't real. And we've seen some really good ones in the last uh, last year or so where I, I know our COO got one that looked like it was legitimately from Apple and they they were ordering iPads and it looked like it was coming from from Apple and they had help desk numbers and you, you call the number and it sounds like Apple support. I mean, it was all fake. Everything was set up and they were going to mail return labels out to us to put on devices that would have returned them actually to them and not the Apple store. It was like a whole operation. It was pretty wild. Um, so yeah, that's, that's becoming a, a definitely a bigger option for us to look at. Well, we are down to about two and a half minutes left before the show closes. And um, if you could take about one minute and just give some of our listeners just an overview of maybe what do you think that they can do to be prepared, you know, in this industry? Be prepared in this industry. You should definitely know people, meet people, go to conferences, get involved in advisory groups and chapter meetings and just meet and talk to as many people as you can. Um, read books, do training that you can find. LinkedIn Learning's great. YouTube's great. Um, talk to Kim about getting into FutureCon. Come there, listen to the talks there. They're fantastic. Um, and, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, that's great for the cyber side. And then for the survival side, buy water, have batteries, <laughs> crank radio, do all, do all that stuff. And, and Laura made a post earlier that uh, apparently batteries last longer in the freezer. So good, uh, good tip to know. I just, I, I don't really have a lot in my freezer, so I guess I'll just start uh, loading it up with batteries. But you know, Zach is a great guy. He takes the time. I, I've heard so many of my sponsors that are like Zach. He, you know, he, he's meeting up with me. Not all CISOs are like that. So kudos to you. I mean, eventually, you know, there's only so much time you have in the world, and I'm sure you get inundated with a million people trying to reach out to you. But I know. Um, you're just a great guy. And I thank you so much, Zach, for being on the show today. And I, I told you it would go fast. So Zach Lewis, who's the AVP IT CISO over at the um, University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis. Um, thank you, Zach. I know you're busy and I appreciate the hour, almost hour you spent with us today. So thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of And Security for All. We're going to be back next week with Rick Doten, who is the VCSO from Centene. And he just had a great talk topic that he was talking about the psychology and uh, cybersecurity. So definitely tune in next Friday. That's going to be another great show. I hope you all have a great weekend. So um, stay safe, stay secure, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, 
to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.